who forgot it was, who, who didn't even know it was Super Bowl today? Because there was a few people that were like, Super Bowl, what's that? What's Super Bowl? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our life, God, to overcome, God, that we are more than conquerors and we can overcome through your Holy Spirit, God. I pray for the word today that we would have good soul and receive your word today, Lord, down deep into us to bring forth fruit for your kingdom. Lord, challenge us and change us, chastise us, encourage us by your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, if, so today is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs are playing the 49ers. Who doesn't care? <laughs> Who, who's just glad the Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Woo! That's where I'm here. Who just likes the, who just likes the food? <laughs> right? Super Bowl food. We got some pork. We got, we're going to have pulled pork sandwiches. We got some pork that's been going for 24 hours. Yeah. Must be nice. It's nice. <laughs> Everybody loves a comeback story. In December 7th, 1980, the San Francisco 49ers were playing the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints were winning 35-7 to at halftime. And anybody knows football knows that that's a huge deficit. A quarterback named Joe Montana led the 49ers to the greatest comeback in NFL regular season history, winning it uh, 38 to 35. November 8, 1987, the St. Louis Cardinals were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Cardinals come back from a 28 to 3 deficit. St. Louis scored an incredible 28 points in the fourth quarter, ending it 31-28. In 1992, wild card round, the Bills were playing the Oilers. The Bills trailed 35-3 at halftime. The Oilers rallied to tie, and the Bills prevailed on a Steve Christie field goal, winning it 41-38. In 2013, a wild card round, the Colts were playing the Chiefs. The Colts trailed 31-10 at halftime and 38-10 with 13-39 remaining in the third corner. quarter. Indianapolis outscored Kansas City 35-6 the rest of the way for a 45-44 victory. 28-point comeback. This was the second largest in NFL postseason history. Super Bowl 51, Patriots versus the Falcons. The Patriots trailed 28-3 to with 8 minutes and 31 seconds left in the third quarter, but pulled off one of the greatest comebacks in the NFL history, if not sports championship history, outscoring the Falcons 31-0 to the rest of the game, winning it 34-28 in overtime. In 2002, wild card round, 49ers were playing the Giants, and 49ers trailed 38-14 at home in the second half. The 49ers scored 25 unanswered points and won the game 39-38. Job 42-12, the first half, says, So the Lord blessed Job... In the second half of his life, 
even more than in the beginning. The Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. I want to encourage you today that wherever you're at, whatever condition you're in, whatever you're going through, whatever pain or affliction you're experiencing, it's not over. There's still a second half to play. God's not done. And the second half can be better than the first. In the meantime... While you're praying and waiting on God, here's my halftime speech to motivate you. You know, it's difficult coming up with new sermons every year for Super Bowl. So I have a halftime speech this year. Number one, don't get stuck. Every great quarterback has the ability to overcome their last play, their last game. I watched an a, a interview with Peyton Manning, and, and I, you know, I, don't, I don't care stats or anything like that. He, Peyton Manning, to me, is the greatest quarterback of all time. I love Peyton Manning. But what he said was what helped him to continue on. He said, I don't get stuck. I continually, I don't look at my last play. It's gone. I, I continually move on. They don't get stuck in the mindset of, this is it. I'll never make the next down. They remain positive and confident that they're getting out of the deficit they're in. Anybody hear of Vince Lombardi? Y'all know he was a man, not just a trophy. Right? He was a renowned football coach who led the Green Bay Packers to five NFL championships and two Super Bowl championships over a nine-year period. And at the time when he took over, the Green Bay Packers were a losing team. Lombardi said, confidence is contagious, and so is a lack of confidence. There's only one way to succeed in anything, and that is to give it everything. The spirit, the will to win, and the will to excel are the things that endure. These qualities are so much more important than the events that occur. You can get stuck in your thinking and become a prisoner of your mind and thoughts. Whatever difficult season you're in, remember, it's just a season. Difficulties will pass. Afflictions will pass. I always say life is hard and we have brief moments of easiness. Embrace it. Don't get stuck in your thinking. Proverbs tells us, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other translations, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. We become like what we think about. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or fastest, faster men. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. You have to have a revelation that this season of difficulty is not forever. 
Because the way you think is either going to spur you on to success or cause you to stay stuck. How big is your God? Because when you're in the midst of difficulties, when you're in the midst of affliction, when you're in the midst of these things, how big is your God? How big are you making God? If you have a big God, you have little problems. But if you make your God little, you got big problems. Are you lifting up Jesus? The difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength and not a lack of knowledge, but a lack of will. As a man thinks, so he becomes. So we have to get out of self-pity mode. Come on, people. Woe is me. C.S. Lewis said this, pity was meant to be a spur that drives joy to help misery. But it can be used the wrong way around. It can be used for a kind of blackmailing. And those who choose misery can hold joy up to ransom by pity. Joy is, is a choice. I can choose to have joy. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Paul told the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You've got to put that word into practice. You can't get stuck in your season of difficulty. And don't complain. Amen. God hates complaining. Say this aloud. God hates complaining. I don't see y'all's lips moving. God hates complaining. Numbers 11. One. You're going to see how much he hates complaining. Numbers 11. One. Now when the people, what? Complained. It displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it. Oh, God hears your complaining. Yes. And his anger was aroused. He hates it and it arouses his anger. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. And Paul to the Corinthians is telling the church, the Corinthians were a church, and he said, nor complain as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as an example as they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So Paul tells the church, hello, we're the church. God tells, Paul tells us, don't complain as they complain because God was not happy with them at all. Lombardi said, winning is a habit. Watch your thoughts, they become your beliefs. Watch your beliefs, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Thoughts become words. That's why the Bible says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
You have to take every thought captive. The, 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 the mind is a battlefield. Yes, it is. The enemy is going to put thoughts in your mind. Do you recognize the lies of the enemy? Yeah. See, a lot of people can't recognize the lie of the enemy because they don't really know what God's word says. Yeah. And so when the enemy comes whispering in your ear and telling you lies, when, when, when a good friend comes and starts telling you lies, you don't know the difference. You can't recognize the lie. You don't really know what God's word says. You don't really know what he thinks about it. Did you know it takes more energy to be negative than to be positive? Are people ignoring you? Maybe it's because you grumble and complain all the time. It's draining to be around a constantly negative person. And what good is it? What good is it? And stop putting your complaining under the guise of pray for me. Just pray for me. Maybe you should change it to pray for the words of my mouth. Because what words are coming out of your mouth when difficulties arise? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when difficulties come, when trials come, when afflictions come, whatever comes out of your mouth is what you're putting in your heart. Your words are powerful. What are you putting in your heart? Because we say things like, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. But the words of your mouth reveal otherwise when difficulties arise. If you really believed that that would come out of your mouth in difficult times, in affliction, in trials. I don't know how this is going to end, but God is good. I don't feel good right now, but God is good. I don't like this right now, but God is good. I don't want this right now, but God is good. And complaining only reveals that you are dissatisfied with God's provision. Because sometimes it's manna in the desert, but it's still provision. He takes care of you no matter what. Is God not greater than your situation? Hmm? Lift up Jesus in your thoughts and your words will follow. Don't look back. If the first half is behind us, there's nothing you can do about it. We don't have time machines. It's not back to the future. It is what it is. We can't change our past. And the only ability you have is to change the second half. How will you respond? Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Those are strong words. You can't start plowing and then start looking back. Remember Lot's wife. That's the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached. Remember Lot's wife. That's all you have to say. Remember Lot's wife. There can be no regrets, no double-mindedness, no going back. 
The writer of Hebrews tells us, The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my, ple- my soul has no pleasure in him. There was a famous conquistador captain, Cortez. Where's my young people that took history recently? Remember Cortez? Thank you. One. <laughs> Cortez landed in Veracruz in 1519. And upon arriving, he gave the order to burn all his ships. He burned all the ships. Why? Because he was going to succeed or die. It forces you to go forward. There's no going back. Burn the ships. There's no going back. There's nothing back there for you. And I say the only reason to look back is to remember how far he's brought you. Remember the times he strengthened and helped you. Remember when he opened up the Red Sea before you and made an impossible situation possible. Remember these things. But our failures, our sins, our times of doubt and worry, leave it in the past. Things you cannot change, leave them in the past. Past hurts and offenses, leave them in the past. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, Paul said, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Press on. Lift up Jesus and his ability to overcome and forget your past. When you lift up Jesus and his ability to overcome, that's how you move on. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know. But I know the one who knows. Keep going. Don't quit. It's not over until God says it's over. After a tough loss to the New England Patriots in the 2012 AFC Championship game, the Baltimore Ravens weren't feeling good about themselves. Shocker. No one feels good when you lose. A strip pass in the end zone had prevented the Ravens from scoring the winning touchdown in the closing minute, and a missed field goal kept them from tying it at the last second. However, Ray Lewis wasn't about to listen to anyone who wanted to moan about the loss or single play. Oh, he didn't complain. We fought as a team, he said in the locker room. The fact is, we got to come back and go to work. And they certainly did. The Ravens would avenge their AFC championship game loss in the, second, in the next season against the Patriots before capturing their second Super Bowl title. They didn't quit. Quitting only produces regrets. Lombardi said, once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. The greatest accomplishment is not in never falling, but in rising again after you fall. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and he gets up eight. It's not that we won't fall. You have to rise up after you fall. You got to get back up. You got to keep going. You can't quit. Author Bob Moore wrote a book titled Words Aptly Spoken. And it recounts a tale of a Rwandan man a century ago 
who is faced with decision to renounce Christ or to die. And the night before he died, he wrote the following declaration. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth me's, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give until I drop, preach till all I know, work till he stops me, and when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. The first time I read that, man, it brought tears to my eyes. There's no quitting. Go back. Lose your soul. There's no quitting. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't give up and quit, we will reap if you do not quit. But there's no harvest for the quitter. Only an overgrown, decaying field. And God said that he will not be mocked. For whatever we sow, we will reap. He said, you will reap. And, and for some of us, there's good things. Keep sowing good seeds. It's a universal law. But so rebellion and so discord, so laziness, so apathy, and that's what you get. So complaining and discouragement, and that's what you get. But so to righteousness, so to the spirit, and that's what we get back. And he said, if you don't quit, you will reap a harvest. You will. Not you might. You will. But some seeds take 20 years to produce. They don't pop up overnight, people. That's why some people don't have a harvest because you plant your seed and 
You don't do nothing else with it. If you haven't seen a harvest yet, keep sowing. Keep sowing to your spirit. If you haven't seen loved ones saved, keep praying. If you're not able to overcome that addiction, keep reading your Bible and applying the word of God. Keep attending church. Keep listening, applying the sermons. Keep fellowshipping with the righteous. Because God's word is true and he cannot lie. You will reap a harvest. If you don't give up and quit. There's been promises of God. I've been praying and believing for 25 years. And I'm weary. But I'm keeping on. Because God will do what he said he would do. He will. He will do it. Lift up Jesus. And you're never too old. Now, you might be too old to play football. Unless you're a kicker. You know. Unless you're a kicker. But there's other positions on the field. There's other positions besides playing as a football player. There's positions of coaching. There's coordinators, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators. And the oldest coaches are in the range of 56 from John Harbaugh to 67, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's the oldest coach. Have you ever heard of Dick LeBeau? Any, any fans ever heard of Dick LeBeau? Dick LeBeau was 75 and arguably the best ever defensive coach. Best ever, 75. In God's kingdom, the strength of grace does not fail with the strength of nature. That's good. Amen. The last days of saints are sometimes their best days. And their last work, their best work. Perseverance is evidence of sincerity. Did you hear that? Perseverance is evidence of the sincerity of your heart. Psalm 92, this is our theme this year. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God and they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Moses was 80 when he delivered Israel out of Egypt. 80 years old. Aaron was 83. Caleb was 85 when he took the mountain. And I love the story of Caleb because he comes before Joshua and he said, that's the mountain I want. That's the mountain I'm taking. I know it has the giants in it and I'm 85 today. It's been 40 years, but I'm strong today as I was 40 years ago. Joshua was around 70 when he led the Israel army into the promised land. See, we read these stories and think Joshua must have been a young man in his 30s. He was 70 when he marched around Jericho. Paul was believed to have started preaching in his late 40s to early 50s. And he preached and traveled until his death. The apostle John is historically recorded at being 93 to 94 at his death. Our friends, the Ongs, Pastor Connie's mom is 92. It's a modern day thing. And still traveling and preaching the word. She's 92 and she travels the world. Not driving around, she flies everywhere. She travels the world preaching the gospel at 92. 
Susan told me she didn't start hiking till she was in her 50s. There's a lady at my gym, 65, started working out at the age of 65 because she went to pick up her grandkid and her back went out. And now she puts 19-year-olds to shame at the gym. I kid you not. What obstacles are stopping you? Because apparently age is not an obstacle with God. So what obstacles in your mind are stopping you? Is it your health? Health's not an obstacle with God. Now listen, you're not going to be, you're not going to live to be 92 if you, you know, chain smoke and drink and don't take care of your temple. Got to help God here. Help him out. Use you longer. Take care of your temple. Obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. When you take your eyes off the prize, you will see obstacles. God said, keep your eyes on the prize. Lift up Jesus over your obstacles, and he is able who promised. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all ready for the second half? Still got a second half. Still got a second half. Yes, come play, Russ. <laughs> That's halftime speech. This is just halftime speech. Got a second half. Close your eyes, bow your head. I just want to give you an opportunity today that if you don't know the Lord, if Jesus is not Savior, if He's not your Lord and Savior, You have people here today that want to pray with you. He can make your second half so much better than the first. He can wipe all your sins away. That's you today. You need the Lord. He said, "I, I, I don't know if I died today where I would go. Raise your hand. We have people that want to pray with you. I want to offer if you've been far away from God. And as we say, not, not a weekend, but a, a while. You've been running from God. You've been far away from God. You've been going and doing your own thing. He's here and he's waiting for you to return. Come to yourself. Says the prodigal came to himself. He realized, I can't do this without the Lord. I can't do this without him. If you need to come back to him today, he's here. Raise your hand. We'll have someone pray with you. Would you feel comfortable coming up here? Would you feel comfortable coming up here? Can I have a lady pray with Tabby? Amanda's going to pray with you. Praise God. And for the rest of us, apply the sermon today. Maybe you've been complaining. Maybe you quit. Maybe you've given up. God's word for you today is keep going. It's not over. God's not done. If you've been apathetic about your walk, if you've been lukewarm, 
God is here. He just says, he's knocking on the door and he says, just open up. If you would just repent and come running back to me. I will restore your life and I will restore the years the locust ate. Don't give the devil place in your life. Don't let this time pass you without the Holy Spirit speaking something to you. Don't walk away from here without applying the word to your life. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. God, I thank you that you're the God that makes the second half of our life even better than the first. That with all our failures and shortcomings, God, you turn all things for our good. Give us grace and strength for the road ahead of us, Lord. We just give you praises and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I want to remind you that uh, the youth are doing a, a bake sale over there, and it, it's uh, it's by donation only. So be generous. You know, it's going to help that ministry. It's going to help them get to that retreat, and that retreat is a, you see a lot of lives changed. A lot of lives changed when they get separated from all this stuff. And they can really focus on God. So be sure to go over there. And I tell you what, before that, go pick up your kids and take them over there. And they'll help you know what you want to buy. I can guarantee it. Um, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful word. Thanks for speaking through Crystal, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that, that as we leave today, we continue to let that word sink in, Lord God, and affect our lives, Lord. That we not just be here and here and then walk away and forget what we heard, Lord. Lord, that's a powerful word for each one of us, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that you that it we let it change our lives, Lord. So, Lord, as we go today, I pray that you keep us safe, Lord God. Always so thankful for what you did for us on the cross, Lord. We just love you. Amen. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.